Like he put his whole mouth and nose into your cup Did and really? like slurped. Mm-hmm. I watch it all from right here. Does he not have a water bowl? Uh, no. I don't I'll think get, he cares if he has water. a water bowl or not. I think he's just gonna, just like. I'll get him water. Here, you want me to replace your water? Yeah, Everybody, it's the Bull and the Badger podcast, where Asian American culture and mental health intersect. Bound. What? I, I'm speechless. <laughs> that was. Was it good? It. It was. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> it was very di- different. I like it. It was super bouncy. <laughs> I was moving with it, and then you went bound, and then I was blown away. So <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do with Didn't myself. Did you take a break? Yeah, I just okay. Stop down, <laughs> and now end the scene. Um, so, uh, what are we talking about thanks, today? April. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> funny you should ask, April. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, today we're talking about inner strength, and um, the person who's here to talk about that actually inspired this topic themselves because I was never. It was not part of the plan. It was not part of the plan at all. I feel all. like I'm walking into this one cold. Yeah, it's it's a it's a minefield. You gotta you gotta really warm it up for me. I was I was trying to like the way that I wanted to start this podcast was like let's let's sing about songs of strength and then I realized there's no like songs about inner strength. Have you noticed that? I could only think of hero songs and then I thought be a man, but there's like that's like such a specific experience of strength. I bet right? there are so many. I just can't think of any right now. Inner strength is your friend. <laughs> Isn't it like that? Like from the 80s? It's like being strong, but inside. <laughs> I think we should have a hair metal band. Like, it should be like ballads. We should be rocking it out. Like, Queen. Like, inner strength. <laughs> like, <laughs> I should have inner strength. Inner strength. Inner strength. Inner strength. Bid me the inner strength. <laughs> But uh, today, I kind of wanted to start off the podcast just talking about like feats of strength, whether oh. whether they were inner strength <laughs> or physical strength. Okay, I'm excited to hear your story. Of no, strength. but you have to also share something. Does it involve the rock? No, I wish oh. it did. Smell. La, 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 la. <laughs> you just—is this a new thing where we integrate the rock into all yes. our podcasts? I mean, he did do that reality series where he was like helping people find their strengths yeah. and their strengths. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, he has strength inside and out. Inside and out. Yeah. Just even in his eyebrows. <laughs> That's strength. outside. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> like a certain, like you know, like you think about his muscles, but I bet his eyebrow ridge could actually lift things. <laughs> like you just hook things on to the, and you go. He's just like, small children. Please don't waggle your eyebrows at me. (laughs) Oh, I guess I'll just waggle them at the guest. (laughs) Thereby scaring her away. (laughs) But she's holding peanuts. Okay, so tell me me your story about feats of strength. (laughs) I do not have any, but maybe one will come to me. Okay, so there was a time in my life. There was a time in my life when I wanted to, like, just, like, show people how strong I was. So (laughs) so I would pick them up. I would, like... 
pick them up. I'd be like, I can carry that. I vaguely remember this. Pound man. Did this take place in high school? I think it was junior high. Really? Yeah, it was middle school. It was middle school because later on, this came back to haunt me because <laughs> someone who went to middle school with me and also went to UCSD with me then told everybody in my fellowship how I had put her in the trash. <gasps> you did? I did not. Okay, so here's here's what happened. Here's what I feel actually like this happened. is not inner strength. <laughs> no. <laughs> let me bullying. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It became like, but like, like I had picked her up and then I had like, I had like, 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 look, I can pick you upside down and, and, and hold you over the trash and then pick you back up. And then it, 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 she wasn't like, stop it. It was just like, ah, we're all laughing. But then <laughs> what it happened what happened? Like she was telling Rudy, like I threw her in the trash. I was like, N- that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. And okay, so the other thing of strength is that. Wait, wait, um, wait! How did that resolve itself? Did anybody believe you, or did they all think they you probably, were a no? Bully? I was just like known as a bully for like <laughs> the rest of my time in the fellowship, which is fine. Then people don't mess with you. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's how it went down. I, I, and like now I realize too, cause like I recently went to like an office party where these guys who had been drinking a little more decided to pick me up and how invasive that felt. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. So I hate it. So how, so recently? Yeah. Recently. So at, at age early thirties, you realized how <laughs> yeah, it took 15 me- years or 20 years before that it was wrong of you it's, to it's do r- that it was to wrong. countless people. Countless. Countless people. Well, back then, you're like, in middle school, these were like grown men. They were picking me up. Like, like it was kind of like, I'm proving myself. And that's why I was uncomfortable. I was like, I didn't ask you to do this, but I didn't want to make a scene either. I wasn't going to like punch him in the face, but I was just like, I'm never going to do this to someone else. So you just laughed and... No, I was like, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, lightly slapping them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I did. I don't remember what I did. I don't know. <laughs> Even Peanut was tired of your story. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to talk about the story about how I beat everybody in arm wrestling. Okay, okay fine. Okay, no, tell no, that story. No, it's not too. a real story. I want to hear it. It's not a real story. You, you just want to tell I your story. I don't have anything, so don't you have you, to tell don't it. Don't you have a story of inner strength? No. None? No. You never went through a phase where you're like, I'm going to be strong. This isn't a story, but talking about weird middle school things where we <laughs> did weird things to each other. Okay, I'm all for it. We used to, um, girls used to slap guys in the face <gasps> on purpose. What? Like, and What's that's how you would, you? that's how you would like, um, show, demonstrate your power over them. When, so and then that's how they school? would demonstrate that they were getting attention from girls. Um, and you'd be like, I'm going to slap you in the face. And they're like, really? I'd be like, yeah, just stand there. What is, and it what was is a hard slap. I mean, it was a proper slap. This, you're like, is this like, something with First Ave? Were like you guys that. like having secret fight clubs and stuff <laughs> at First Ave Middle School? See, this is why you guys were known See, as the ghetto you, While you ghetto were dumping school. little girls into trash cans. They deserved it. slapping boys in their faces. See, but you really slapped them. I didn't actually put her in a trash can. It has nothing to do with inner strength that we're talking about right now. I know. That's the thing. This truly is bullying. (laughs) That's our next podcast, actually. (laughs) We can change it into this one. No, but, like, here's the thing with strength, right? Like, is the way that we view strength is often in a physical way or, like, even for in an Asian way. Like, So, with his inner strength, it's 
not yeah. physical. Right, right. But then but then people don't consider inner strength strength. Is that correct? I don't know. I, I view inner strength as strength. All right. Well, name someone who you feel like has a lot of inner strength and how they demonstrate it. Uh, I feel like my parents have a lot of inner strength um, and they work really hard and don't complain about stuff. And you know. another another example besides your parents, peers. Um you don't have to name names. My boyfriend has a lot of inner strength. Nice. In a way that, um, you know, he's, he's uh, he, I don't know how to say it. He's not a headstrong person. Um, and so he often kind of like, especially because I'm very hard-headed, he kind of like gives in a lot. But when it is really something important, he puts his foot down, you know, and is like, not in a mean way and not in a what well, he doesn't he doesn't forceful stomp way, on but like something? we talk about it you Slugs. know he says look you're doing this thing knock it off it's silly does he does has he ever defended you to anybody or i don't know i'm not around him all the time oh <laughs> there are, i think that people have inner strength every day every every person i i meet with has inner strength uh, every every person you yeah, uh, I think seriously to make it to this age without having inner strength is impossible. You have to build up some kind of reserve of you know what you need to get through the day, you know, and like be resilient. I mean, I think resiliency has a lot to do with inner strength. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think a lot of people rely on like fake strength though. Or, or other people Maybe to be Maybe people you know, but in my life... Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's exactly what you're saying. You're just kidding, not kidding. Hashtag kidding, not kidding. No, but like, I think a lot, a lot of people... And when I think about people who have... like, So, say everybody has a specific reserve of inner strength. There's uh-huh. not everybody's like acting on it or you know like working on it or developing well i don't think that it needs to be something super showy that other people can see i mean do you know everyone's inner ecosystem of feelings and thoughts and the things they go through every day no that's every person who is around you is a mystery and a universe and you cannot know everything that's going on with them of course you can't assume that no one is acting on their inner strength ever because you don't know that that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that people don't have a reserve of inner strength, but I'm also saying that there are people who, in their patterns of behavior, so don't outwardly, demonstrate. it's only what you perceive as what is inner strength. If, if you continue to it. like act in na- negative patterns, you know, like there is there is a reserve of inner strength that's lacking or needs to be developed. I. You know, like do you think that someone else needs to develop their inner strength? No, I do too. I do too. But I'm I'm just but saying, saying that, that most people don't exhibit their inner strength on a daily basis. I I wouldn't I don't have numbers, but I'm I'm saying I think that inner strength in general is not highly valued. It's not um something that people talk about and it's not something that like even in like team building exercises, it's not like one of those buzzwords, inner strength. Do you know what I'm saying? And the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it today, and let's bring in Judy, because we're, because <laughs> now, because she's the one who inspired it. I just think that there's people who act a lot with grace under fire, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not thinking of inner strength as like a general quality that like, 
is totally lacking from, you know, our this day and age. I'm just saying that there's people in our lives who stand out as having as, as having inner strength, as as being those people who, when under pressure, you know, react differently than everybody else. Like they act calmly, confidently. They when when I think of inner strength, I I often think of um she's in the other room, but Magumi. <laughs> But Mugumi, and, and the reason is because sometimes she has she, the ability to be the better person, to forgive um, when she feels slighted, mm-hmm. you know? And instead of escalating the conflict, she it's not that she's backing down or being submissive, but she mm-hmm. just goes, you know what? You know, I choose not to, um, to engage in a level of pettiness or to, in this, in this, you know, uh, in this interaction be, you know, more forgiving. And cause like, I think like what I lack in inner strength is like the ability to kind of like remove myself and to, and to be more sympathetic or empathetic or whatever you want to call it. And, 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 uh, and say, sorry, does that make sense? Like the ability to say, sorry, I think takes a lot of inner strength. Uh-huh. What were so, you? Oh, sorry. No, no, no problem. Uh, Judy, I know from film school. Uh, she's a year ahead of me, and she was like, even though we're like we're we're basically the same age. Like, I was like Judy Foo, another Asian American female in the program. You know, it's <laughs> just like you kind of zero in on those other Asians, and like she just she just had a lot of knowledge. She was like our TA, so thereby, of course, she already knows so much more than us. And um, <laughs> but then we also worked together on my documentary where I dragged her around all of California for like three years straight, four. Three. Anyways, I think it was four. It was a long time. <laughs> How fun! And yeah. no, dude, you have to be a certain kind of person to just have to sit in the car with me for that long. Like one time we went up the one hundred and one instead of going up the five, and so oh, wow. a normally six-hour trip to NorCal, <laughs> five hours if you're driving really fast, took like eight to ten hours. Wow. It was like I was like, did we take a wrong turn? <laughs> I know we're going north. However, this is the long route. I mean, it made it meant that we could like shoot the the ocean going by, but yeah. <laughs> it just took so long. <sighs> anyway, um, yeah, and and Judy, uh, we we were having a we had a conversation in the car, and I think we were driving back from like a shoot or something like this. This is very recently. We're working on something else together now, um, and uh, she gets to direct this time. <laughs> but um, basically, like. We were talking about inner strength. Do you remember that conversation? Not really. I asked you. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't remember. Judy just says words to me because I'm always like asking her questions. I'm always like, Judy, tell me the mysteries of life. And she's like, well, Vanessa, this is how I feel about it. I'm like, thank you. Vanessa <laughs> you know, like carves it in stone. Like, like, wait, like what, what did we talk? <laughs> She's like, what's happening? I don't even. I just drop pieces of wisdom like poop. So, anyways, that's nice. Yeah. Hi, Judy. The perfect hey. analogy. Well, can you can you describe yourself like uh, some of your background, like how you even ended up at film school or whatever, and what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, sure. Very, um, make it brief. Make it brief. Got it. <laughs> Ten words um, or less. <laughs> my name is Judy. I work as a cinematographer. I'm a filmmaker. Sometimes I direct. I went to film school at UCLA, got my MFA, met Vanessa Yee, zoned in on her as well, because Asian American <laughs> no, storytellers, hello. Yeah, no, absolutely I did. Um, Even though you're a bad Asian. 
I am a bad Asian. That is true. But I still love you. And I still, I still spend a lot of time with you. And I think that makes me a good Asian. Yes. Okay. Acceptable. I make up my bad Asianness is. No, but you're so Asian in so many other ways that like don't like. You like, mean in appearance? Well, in appearance, but you actually like <laughs> my, my speak your native language. Like, there's things about Judy that are much more like you're. You're actually like basically first or second generation, however you want to count. Oh it, yeah, true. Which makes you closer to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a first-generation, um, oldest child of Vietnamese war refugees. Um, you know, they grew up in war-torn Vietnam, really, really poor, a legacy of just poverty and colonialism and um, immigration and basically displacement, trying to find a sense of their identities. So <laughs> I am here with that legacy, what do you, so when we talk about identities of displacement, like what does that mean for a child of that identity? What does it mean? I mean, I, I think it means a lot. I think it really uh, defined how I grew up. Um, I really, I feel like I grew up with um, this cloak of the model minority myth that I felt that I didn't belong to. Um, you know, my parents were here struggling and they didn't have an education and they also didn't have the guidance of, um, the American dream. I feel like a lot of immigrants choose to come here because they're aware of what the American dream is. And they right. come here armed with some, a little bit of knowledge and maybe a little bit of money and maybe a bit of a support system that's both here and back in their home, um, to come and navigate how to figure out the American dream for themselves. And I feel like my parents, they came because they were forced out of their native country um, due to war and they have no place to return to that is recognizable or familiar. They were, they had to flee for their lives. And so when they ended up here, they just kind of, it was to survive. It, they had no guidance or path to follow. Um, in terms of how to figure out their lives, how to raise a family here, and how to become a successful immigrant in this country. That my model minority th thing just didn't apply to me, mm. you know? Um, but... Where did you grow up? Did you uh, I grew up... I was born and raised in Boston, in mm -hmm. South Boston. Um, She's parents, a Southie. I'm a Southie. <laughs> my parents um, got married in San Francisco, and then... They decided to uh, move to Boston because somehow along the way, my dad was convinced that Boston was the place to raise a family. Uh-huh. Just completely not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially for Vietnamese immigrants who are used to a tropical kind right. of uh, environment. They didn't... I, my mom did not like Boston at all. The weather was not for her. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, they, I was born there. I lived there till I was about nine, and then my mom um, missed California so much. Her her half of her family ended up um, immigrating to San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, and she just really wanted that base. Right, um, and they were struggling a lot in Boston, so we ended up returning to California. Uh huh. And I lived in Sacramento, 
and I spent all my summers in San Francisco and Oakland, which is where the rest of my extended family were, so that um, my siblings and I could stay with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles um, so that my mom could pick up more work Mm -hmm. so she could get the kids out of her hair (laughs) and she could work and help support the family. Um, So that's kind of the rest of my childhood. And then I ended up going to college in the Bay Area. And I feel like I feel very much like a Northern California girl. Boo. I love Northern California <laughs> so freaking much. Judy tells a wonderful story about her family, and Vanessa just goes, Boo. I know. That's. <laughs> I was reacting our to our friendship is girl. strange. <laughs> Mostly because I'm strange, but uh, <laughs> no, it was reacting to the NorCal. It was a beautiful story, though. And I'm curious, April, if like you see kind of like some parallels, because I know that you're also, are you, I mean, do you, do you, do you consider yourself uh, first generation? I don't know. I don't know. I know different people in different cultures count differently. All I know is that my parents were not born here and I was born here. Mm. So I don't yeah. know, whatever that makes me. Right. Well, and your 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 mom and dad had picked up a lot of like jobs in order to like become, you know, like and and pursue that dream, right? Like to Yeah. Um You know, I'm a little sketchy on um the exact dates and things like that, but um my mom not to I don't know, we need to reflect on Judy's story, I feel. No, yeah, I'm no, very we'll curious definitely come to back. hear about you. Um, well, my mom, um, she went to nursing school in the Philippines in um, the city of Zamboanga mm-hmm. in the south, which is a more rural area. Um, and she, you know, when you're a nurse trained in another country, oftentimes you're sent where you're needed. Mm-hmm. And so she was first sent to Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, I think it was like the dead of winter when she got there. And she said that she would just look out because they gave her a room in the hospital before she got situated. And she would look out, you know, at the snowy (laughs) city outside the window and she would just cry because she didn't, you know, she was in a completely new place and she didn't, none of her friends were around. They were all sent somewhere different, you know. And, uh, um, and then I don't know if they, if she went somewhere else, but she had friends in Chicago. So she had some time in Chicago and then eventually, um, a lot of her friends and my mom settled in California, which is where she and my dad met up. Now I think that they had known each other before and they, in the Philippines, and then they agreed to meet in California. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it went. Wow. Um, but yeah, my mom was a nurse, a bedside a nurse for a very long time, for 30 years. And then um, toward the end of her nursing career, she picked up like another nursing related field, mm. uh, a career in a nursing related field. And uh, my dad, you know, had worked ever since he was a small child in the Philippines and held like every, I mean, he was like a, I think he was like a shoe shiner when he was a kid. Mm. He like sold newspapers when he was a kid and just all his life worked and um he'd always been kind of an entrepreneur and wanted to work for himself which is what he did when he came to the states so yeah cool so my dad's had a lot of lots of different jobs but like you're saying judy like you know they were not like in your parents case they were not refugees they came over with i think a very clear distinct idea of what america was Mm -hmm. and the opportunities that afforded them and um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for either of them. It takes a lot 
to to leave your home country you know and like um and just resources wise like so poor like how do you make that transition like you're poor at home and then and then deciding to go to another country where you don't speak the language or they did speak English actually but like you know it takes a really great leap of faith and Mm -hmm. if you have a choice you know that's a good thing and if you don't then you make it work yes yeah yeah either way it's hard and it's lonely Mm -hmm. um it helps if there's a support system on Mm -hmm. both sides but it's still a transition and it's a really difficult and lonely Mm -hmm. one right and you really do have to have, you know, to bring it to our topic, you have to have something inside you that makes you keep going because mm-hmm. there are plenty of people who it doesn't work out for them, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not to say that they're weak people or anything, but, you know, uh, what is a thing inside of you? Like, what is this idea that you have or this survival instinct or whatever it is, you know, to keep going mm-hmm. in the face of like a miserable life, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, a life very different from my life. <laughs> hey, everybody, if you like what you've heard so far, check out episode 207 called Fight. Here's a quick sample. Well, if I had been able to express my anger more when I was younger, I wonder if I wouldn't be like the tough, like little Asian girl that thinks she's a badass or something like that now. Well, I mean, my next question would have been, um, you know, you know, based on your stories, I feel like if 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 you also so feel similarly about <laughs> things to. <laughs> Judy, if you feel similarly to April in the way that you feel like your parents demonstrate a lot of inner strength, which I think we've had a lot of discussions about your mom specifically mm-hmm. and just being uh, a demonstration of that. And I feel like like growing up, we, we get to see that and we get to borrow from that, you know? So, I mean, do you think that was very... Something that was consciously happening as you were growing up or something that you realized afterwards, like later in your adult life? Now that you're like 58 or something. Sorry, I mean, yeah. it sound like you were like <laughs> on your last legs or no, something. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. We, we are old. Yeah. But uh, yeah, was that something that you noticed growing up? Was what something I noticed? The inner strength of your parents in terms of having to survive. Um, I th- Yes. I think it took a while. I think that when I became a teenager, I was not noticing anything that my parents were capable of whatsoever. I think I definitely went through this teenage period in which I, in forging my own identity, I was trying to distance myself from my parents and how they led their lives and how they had struggled all their life, basically. I was tired of seeing their struggle and I just didn't respect it anymore. Um, I was trying to figure things out on my own, just like the life of being a teenager and they couldn't serve as role models for that because their lives as teenagers was completely war-torn, completely like defined by poverty and, um, migration and, (laughs) and, um, political chaos. Um, so (laughs) I couldn't 
they could not ever relate to my stupid, <laughs> you know, tedious um, anxieties, self-confidence issues, my, um, you know, my desire to like go to college, but not knowing how to take those steps. And my parents never went to college. They didn't go to American high school. They had no clue what um, was going on with me. They didn't know what a prom was. They didn't know any of those things. And those were the things that filled my life at the time. I mean, it was so important. <laughs> prom was the most important thing when I was <laughs> 16. Yeah. And looking back, that's so trivial. But at the time, I think I was really um, pushing my parents away. In retrospect today, I think that absolutely the way that they... Um, bounced back from every single failure they faced, the way that they survived war, the way that they survived multiple trips around the world as refugees, the way that they um, did not share the experiences I had as a bratty, spoiled teenager totally fortifies me and like makes me believe in like any path that can be a part of our lives and makes me believe in um, hope this is really going to be cheesy. I mean, I really like as um, a woman in my 30s now, I look back and I think of my parents when they were adults in their 30s and had four kids and were still dealing with language barriers and cultural barriers and social barriers and then dealing with poverty and figuring out life in America and then dealing with like four incredibly bratty, <laughs> spoiled assholes who wanted a car and wanted all these things who wanted and wanted and wanted from them and just they couldn't provide in that crazy demanding way that we wanted and ultimately what I got from them was just this great lesson plan on how to deal with real challenges that life gives you I mean I'm so glad that they um are awesome <laughs> and that they just led by example. And I think that, I don't know, I think that seeing them, yeah, like wake up every day and go to their four jobs every day. I mean, where was that turn for you though? That, that realization was it like a gradual thing or did you like wake up one day and you're like, wait a second, they were doing amazing things. Like, I feel like it's a combination of both. I feel like there's definitely, there have been times when I really, I was able to really focus and concentrate on who my parents are as adult human beings in this world. And just, wow, develop such a love and admiration and respect for them individually. Um, and then there's moments when I think in my own life, there's something that's going on that um, I think is knocking me off a little bit, makes me need, makes me um, feel like I need support and help. And I think the first people I turn to, and I don't mean f actually turn to them, I don't call my parents up and say, hey, mom, I'm feeling kind of blue. <laughs> or, hey, mom, I have um, a big decision to make and I don't know which way to go. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have that kind of relationship with my parents. I think mostly, largely because they don't, they just can't relate to a lot of the experiences that I have. Um, uh, but I think of them in those times and I think of how they kind of 
handled themselves in tougher situations than I'll ever be in. And then I kind of, it, I think it gives me a sense of humor, basically. Um, I'm able to see how they live their lives, see how much more grateful they are for the life that they have. And then I look at myself and I realize that I'm just a gigantic complainer, <laughs> you know, and it's, I think that's good. It effectively puts me in my place at all times and it effectively gives me a strong sense of humor. Cool. No, I mean, and, and I think that comes out in a lot cause of the industry that we work in. I feel like mm. when we think about high stress, high pressure situations, I think of making the day, you know, yeah. like, can you get all the shots? Can you, and, and I'm sorry, we're like talking film talk, April, April's just staring off into space. Like, <laughs> My eyes <laughs> start to glaze up. Yeah. But you know, you know, like, like, you know, talk about pressure. It's like, well, how do I light the scene and get the actors to do what I need them to do? And mm -hmm. then do that, you know, 30 times over Yeah, and get through like whatever, 20, 20 pages. Is 20 pages even that much anymore? I don't even know. 20 I, pages is a lot, yeah. but it's but becoming it, almost an average Yeah, situation. because of budget stuff. But, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, like, and then I think that, you know, one of the things that I, when we talk about inner strength and I think about that and I think about you is your ability to kind of like not go frantic. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like I see a yeah. lot of people get snippy or just, you know, like, and, and not treat their crew well and not treat others well. And it, it's to me, that's like, yeah, the outward manifestations and, but we don't get to see that every day. We don't mm -hmm. get to see like, well, why do you wake up today? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that's always telling and I think that's what you're referring to April in terms of like people's inner lives and how people cope or how people you know their you said inner economy I think was no. the, what, is it ecology you said yeah, something, something really like that yeah you should you should hold on to that phrase it's <laughs> yeah super cool. I was I think you said something like the emotional the ec ecology of their emotions or something really you wise that are you getting, are you stealing that from someone else? No. Cause I want to steal that from you <laughs> now, but, but so, so in general, we talk about, we talked, we we're talking about inner strength that like we got from our parents. And I think, you know, um, just so that I don't leave my parents out of this. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've yeah, done yeah, a lot of subject real quick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. No. Go ahead. no, no, no. It's, it's definitely like, that's where you first learn these things. These, um, all the good and the bad. And like a lot of the good is the inner strength and the courage that, you know, like your parents, you know, have. And like, for me, um, I remember one specific incident where my, like we were at my brother's graduation and some guy was being really rude. And he was like, you know, you're supposed to sit down and he wasn't blocking anybody's view. So he didn't need to necessarily sit down, but someone had to like, who said that? Be like some, some guy who was sitting next to them and being assertive said that to, to my dad. Okay. Sorry. That was not clear. So some guy was being rude to my dad <laughs> uh -huh. and, and telling him to do something that he didn't have to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh huh. He didn't have to do it because he wasn't breaking the rules or he wasn't, but this person was like, I think, and I don't want to like be like assume that he was racist, but there's like I think there's a way that people and that are older in Arcadia tend to treat Asian people because there's a sense of you mean white people tend to treat Asian people. Yeah, yeah, okay. and I've seen it. I mean, because it's happened to me, and like uh -huh. you know, like there's just this sense of tension because of these like they're immigrants and they don't understand what's going on, even though like <laughs> my dad and Ebonics. Anyways, so um. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, and it, but then instead of like my dad reacting in a way like before I like when I was a kid, I wanted him to fight back. Like I wanted him to like be like, "Look, <laughs> you you're not allowed to talk to me that way," you know, like just be more explosive. But I think he like you know, like just took the more gracious route and like decided to walk away from the conflict. And I think walking away from conflict, although okay, so Asians are a little conflict avoided, right? But I think in general like there's ways of demonstrating strength that actually look like weakness a lot of times and I think for me and the way that I think about Asian Americans and inner strength that's kind of what they value it's not like a loud boisterous kind of strength where you're like I win every battle that I get into you know like I win every conflict that I get into it's 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 partly about survival and it's partly about it's partly about um succeeding in a way that is that doesn't doesn't value individual accomplishment. Does that make sense? Eh. <laughs> Everybody's kind of like, well, we're still thinking about it. My dad fights back, but not all the time. Just a couple times I've ever seen it. I mean, or heard of it. Um, and he he'll he'll say that like, I am a citizen of the United States. He said that a couple of times. Whoa. I mean, once when I was a little kid, you know, and once mm-hmm. I wasn't there for the second time, but that was like, <laughs> the second time was, was in Arcadia and he was getting yelled at by an old whiter, <laughs> older white man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough to know when to fight those battles. And I think that's, that's like wisdom plus inner strength, kind of like figuring that out for yourself. And, and I think we have different conflicts than what, our parents encountered and I'm curious kind of just two connected questions like because because we don't live with an immigrant mentality or we don't have a refugee background per se you know like how what things don't you want to take from your parents and then also like connected to that is um what kind of inner strength things did you learn for yourself on your own like when you were out in college and you were trying to like live on your own as an adult and be self-realized and things like that like what kind of inner strengths are separate from like your own family culture so mm. does that make sense mm-hmm. what was the first one again well like things like um you know like you know one one thing that i think about when i think about immigrants and refugees is like they're not really allowed to 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 acknowledge how much trauma they went through Mm -hmm. because to acknowledge it would then like there's a danger of wallowing in it or or getting stuck in it and i mean like it's real and it's like they they should be allowed to like feel terrible about like the things that they experience at the same time can you still survive if you get stuck in it you know i think i mean not i i don't know i'm not you know a refugee or anything like that but i would imagine for some people at least like surviving something like this you are in survival mode like you just are and to exist in survival mode you can't think about that you can't allow yourself to get you know um uh affected on daily basis by that you have to repress that you know push it down so that you can go to your job and do a good job and receive your pay, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and I think if you're also from a culture where emotions aren't readily discussed already, you know, that that's kind of like a combination of 
not acknowledging, not talking about it. Like my parents, not that they are refugees, but just emotions in general, really very rarely ever talk about feelings. And the times that they have, I can almost always, I can remember almost every time that they have talked about something emotionally resonant because it was so odd Mm. for, for me to hear it, you know? Um, but from what I get from that, I guess, is that like, um, I had this in my head. What was it? And this, this, I kind of stole from somebody, but that's um, cool. <laughs> is that like, I, I'm not like a religious person and I don't really believe in God, although, you know, certain members of my family do. Um, and you know, being, Filipino like I'm technically Catholic yeah I'm like wow yeah I I just don't like and I don't think I ever really had like a very much of an idea of what God or religion was to me um but because I was learning about you know id ego and super ego today and like obviously id your biological natural impulses ego is the the thing that moderates your needs satisfies those needs in a socially acceptable way and your super ego are the values that are imbued into you mm. you know oftentimes at a very very early age right and i when i thought of that in the description of super ego it was like my parents like mm. like 100 percent my parents like there is no 99.9% of what I believe and what I feel and what I value comes from my parents. Mm. And so like, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in God. I think that people get that information and those values from religion or from God mm. and also, you know, from their, their parents. Um, but like, I believe in my parents, like that is like the word, you know, mm. is, is what they have taught me through, you know, their, their words and their actions. Like, that's what I believe. And that's what I'll always believe in. And it will be problematic sometimes because sometimes those beliefs and values don't jive with my, you know, an American belief system or my own personal belief system. But it is what is in my heart, like part of my heart that is implanted in there, you Mm. know? Yeah, the the blood that pumps through your body. Right. And so So what do I think is important separate from that? And like what Yeah, and what did you get for yourself? Cuz like arguably and sorry, I should have said this the first thing is that we're not in survival mode in the same way that our parents had to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like yeah. at what point, you know? I mean, I think that the reason why, like, you know, we're doing this, I think, is because it, it you ha- like, I feel like you have to, when you are not in survival mode, you know, you have to acknowledge your feelings. You have to acknowledge the things that um, cause you to act in certain ways because that is how we break cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we break negative cycles of things that, you know, um, different kinds of abuse mm. or, you know, maybe it doesn't have to go as far as abuse, but just like bad patterns of behavior that you have. If you can look inside yourself, understand why you have a greater chance of, of overcoming those things. So, so yeah. What, what about you, Judy? Like, um, what kinds of things when you think about how you're no longer in survival mode that you want to 
that you want to do separately from, you know, the way that your parents lived, but also like, what are some things that you have learned for yourself along the way? Does that make sense? Um, in terms of how to live my daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the inner strength that you're creating and, and, and building for yourself. Mm -hmm. What are those things separate from, you know, what we got from our parents, I guess. Hmm. What, can I ask you to define the both of you, how you, how you, cause I feel a bit like you both oh. have very different, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably different definitions of inner strength. I think we're using very similar words, but maybe it's it's a little different. Like, well, how do you view inner strength, Vanessa? Um, well, like I think the word that April used, even though we have different, I guess, ways of <laughs> talking about it. I is, think I'm winning. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Is, is resiliency mm -hmm. is the ability is like endurance, perseverance. Mm -hmm. The idea, like we talked about, like, well, why do you wake up? And it's not like inner strength is not necessarily like. Why do you keep going? But the ability to keep going or mm -hmm. the ability to be um, the things that you value, I guess. Inner mm. strength is something that is uh, usually for me associated with courage. Mm. But also, like I said, grace under pressure mm. where you you end up being the better person. And that to me is inner strength is like the ability to act on the best parts of yourself, even when it's hard. If mm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. April? I would agree with that. I think the disagreement is that Vanessa doesn't see it very often, but I, uh, I try to see little pieces. Are you saying you try everybody. to find the best in people? Because that's that sounds very tiring. No, I'm just kidding. Because I I'm don't not. know everybody's life. I don't know everybody's in interior lives or their home lives, and you know, even people I work with every day for eight hours, I don't know what they're going through. But they show up, you know, and they're good people. And sometimes they're even people who are like, can be like real bitchy and a little passive aggressive and stuff. But yeah, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. I guess for me and, and, and then... Maybe I just am around better people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't work in the industry. I mean, like, for me, it's like inner strength is, is one of those qualities you can act on. Or not act on, right? So you can either act on the best parts of yourself or the worst parts of yourself. And I think that, like, under pressure, a lot of people tend to um, go to bad places, you know? And, 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 and maybe I just work in a more high-pressure environment, like, you know, millions of dollars being tossed around, you know, like deadlines. And, and I know that you work on deadlines, too, but I think there's a sense of just the atmosphere... Um, being more tense all the time and and like it's not that a person lacks inner strength if they're reacting to something negatively all the time but it's like they choose not to or maybe i mean and a lot of times you don't choose like you when you react that's that's what it implies it's like you go quickly to you know like to either, you know, acting in a more like frantic or acting out or, you know, like just ways of demonstrating that you might not be accessing, uh, patience or you might not be accessing, um, grace or you might not be accessing compassion. 
right away. And that to me is like what inner strength is about mm. is, is, is mm, going to those places that, you know, um, that, uh, are harder. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's easier to be, um, petty. I think it's easier to be, uh, you know, to, to look out for your own interests first. Mm. So, um, but then when we talk about the inner strength that our parents demonstrate, that's, that's about resiliency in the face of, uh, like, uh, very, uh, terrible odds, mm-hmm. you know, and the idea of surviving and, and things like that where like, yeah, in our situation, maybe that's not exactly the kinds of odds that we're facing, not exactly right. the kind of story that we're living. Right. But um, does that help clarify? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I did not live through a war on my home, right? They, My parents had that. And so separate from their experiences, I think what you're asking me is how do I feel? Um, like I developed my own inner strength, um, maybe separate from my per- my parents' childhood or their lives and how they found their levels of resilience well, and survivalism. Yeah. I, I, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is like what, what happens in the beginning is that we do, we do get a lot of like, you know, what April talked about is like this super ego idea of like values and, 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 you know, the good and the bad from our parents. And that lays the foundation of our personality and how we act in different situations. And we continue those patterns, Mm -hmm. but at a certain point, you become an adult, you become self-aware, and then you either decide to continue embracing or, you know, you branch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I, I'm curious because I, I would say that you're an amalgamation of like your blood and your identity and things like that. But beyond that, <laughs> you know, what you love to do, like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like you're, you know, you're you, right? And I'm kind of curious of like in terms of inner strength, you know, like what gives you strength every day? separate from like, I have to survive. Oh, um, (laughs) friends, the sun, coffee, good coffee. Um, I like how you specified good coffee. That was, that was a smart move. Bad coffee really tears down my inner strength, actually. (laughs) I knew it. Um, oops, sorry. I, you know, I think I chose my passion and, um, God, I hate sounding so freaking cheesy. I just really like what I do. Um, it makes me happy and proud and respect myself. And I love the people I work with. Um, I know how hard I work to get here. Um, it took a lot of developing my voice creatively. I knew that I wanted to be part of the storytelling industry. Um, And I just, you know, I think I just started to get my feet wet at an early age with it. And I started to tell, I allowed myself to try it. Um, I think that affording and giving myself the opportunity to try something that I had an interest in when I was a lot younger um, opened up this (laughs) door that was an endless path that I was just like walking down, you know. Um, and it was fun. I really loved it. And I, I don't think I grew up like scared of 
doing it, of trying things. Do you know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. that I grew up knowing my parents' journey. I hate to keep bringing it back to my parents because I know that you're trying to ask about um, something specifically different or in um, about how I deviate a little bit from that. But I just don't know that I can necessarily address it. It always goes back to the origins, right? I think that I always knew that my life is a million, a billion, thousand trillion times better off than a lot of other people's lives, especially my parents and their parents and their siblings and their cousins and their great, great, just the whole legacy that they come from. I'm, I feel very uniquely positioned in my life, um, within their history to do whatever I want to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that the second that I tried something that, um, was the result of my curiosity and it fed some level of my curiosities and it brought me to other curiosities and interests that allowed me to just like enter a world, um, that I trusted. This is sounding really abstract, but I think, you know, I'm a creative person. I work in the creative industry and I trust it so much. It's my, it's the relationship that I trust the most. My relationship with work, creative work. Wow. Because there's, really cool. there's endless possibilities in it. Sure. And I can't fail. I can just keep trying shit. <laughs> what, what do you... You know? What's one thing that you, that you can point to, like very specifically, like an event or a specific thing that you do that you're like, like, this gives me strength to go to the next day, to be, to be, to be resilient or to act on the best parts of yourself? In what scenario? Because you're talking about being a, a creative and being a storyteller and things mm-hmm. like that. Is it like picking up a camera? Is it the moment you did like a specific project? Like, um, do you know what I'm saying? Like where it kind of, it like, it's almost like achieving flow where like you, you feel like there's like a, a sense of happiness mm-hmm. and a sense of purpose that you've gained from. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, there's so many examples and so many experiences. Um, I don't know. My creative professional life is fucking awesome. (laughs) You know, I, I recently, um, I recently rediscovered, uh, how much I enjoy comedy. I've been filming with a lot of comics who want to create their own content. And, um, I, I love com I love comedy and I love comedians, especially because, um, with comedy, especially when it's in front of other people, it's one thing I think if you're like writing in a room and you're writing jokes, but it's another thing if you perform and you're trying to get a laugh right away or build up to a laugh and you're testing the room and you're seeing how people are registering it and following. And those comedians are my favorite because they just try it. No one laughs. They try it again. They try something better and they, there's no time or opportunity to think of if somebody doesn't like this, do you know what I mean? Hmm. They don't, um, cause if somebody doesn't, they just have to keep trying and keep fighting for that laugh. Hmm. I love working with com- comedians. Um, and I think that this year I've started working with a lot of funny people, people who want to be funny, who people who 
enjoy making other people laugh. Mm. That shit is awesome. <laughs> I love spending time with those people. And I love when they try to make me laugh because then it makes me want to make them laugh. And then we love each other so much. <laughs> and then when we create something that visually is meant to make other people laugh, we don't know if it'll work, but we can try it. That whole, um, that space of possibilities and testing possibilities, that science is magic. It's awesome. I feel really empowered when I'm in those situations and I'm laughing the whole time. And you know, sometimes we're not laughing. We're kind of like, eh, that wasn't funny. Are you okay that I just told you that it's not funny? And everyone's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to be okay with other people. Cause it's this, there's an immediate response that you need out of joke making or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we become each other's audience. We become each other's, um, Sounding board. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that is a moment that I feel like really proud of. I forgot your question, Vanessa. Just just like specific <laughs> examples of like things that give you inner strength, things that help you bring you to the next day or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need help getting to the next day when I'm involved in projects like that. I'm so excited for the next day. I'm so excited. I'm so excited in the moment that I say the word excited really fast and weird. <laughs> but, you know, excited. Like, I, <laughs> I'm just, um, the inner strength thing, I think it's, um, it's its own loop of happiness, self-confidence of just being grateful for where you are and what's happening in your life and what you're doing to make that happiness happen. Um, and I very rarely reflect in this way. So it's really interesting to be able to talk to you guys in this way about it, to verbalize, Mm. um, and express my gratitude for where I am in life. And I recently, um, I was recently put in my place in a very good way by my youngest sister. I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me, who I'm so proud of, who's a senior in college and who just two days ago got a job offer yeah, awesome. congratulations, little sister. You are amazing. We're not going to say her name. We're just going to go, ghost Jenny, ghost yeah. Is. Well, no, she's still in college. She still has the rest of her senior year to go. Uh-huh. And I've been out of college for a long time, you know, but I was unemployed for three months after I graduated from two degrees at Berkeley. They were mm-hmm. liberal arts degrees, so totally Yay. get it. You know, no shame. <laughs> I get it. Um, but she... Uh, oh my gosh, the level of confidence that I think it requires for someone who is still in college and going out to career fairs and um, applying for jobs, like knowing, defining for herself what she could be spending her time doing now that she will be entering her postgraduate life. For me, I was not ready for that until three months of unemployment after college, you know? Mm. So um, anyway, I was really proud of her. And she went through a multi-level interview process. It was intense. I mean, she's applying for a real job. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, when she got the offered, she shared the news with my siblings. I have three other adult siblings. Um, and we're on this group text situation. She (laughs) shared the news, but before that I'd spent Thanksgiving with her and she'd been, um, 
expressing her anxieties over uh, whether she will get this job that she really wanted. Mm-hmm. She was super honest about how much she wanted it, which I love. I really respect that about her. She was very much like, I want this job, so I'm so scared that I won't get this job because of how disappointed I will be if I don't get this one thing that I really want, mm-hmm. which I was like blushing over how honest that was, man. Mm-hmm. And then she got the job and she shared it with us. And we were all, of course, like resounding. Of course you got it. We knew it, blah, blah, blah. But she said, thank you. And then she said, I kind of just want to take this opportunity to group text my adult siblings and say that I'm really proud of myself because I worked really hard for this. And I'm so happy I got this job and I really wanted it. And I'm so happy to share with my siblings how happy I am. And I was like, damn, that's, <laughs> wow. I was moved to tears. I mean, all of my siblings were, we were like, we were crying. Like a lot of emojis of crying, <laughs> sad faces totally were sent among the us. Real emotions going on. Yeah. And it was this moment my 21 year old sister took for herself and said, you know what? I'm going to be proud of myself for my freaking achievements. This was hard. What a relief, but also what a moment that I'm going to take to say I'm proud of myself. Mm. And I love that about her. And I love that about myself because I think I have a little bit of that too where I have this whole mentality of work hard play hard like I love working my ass off until I'm so tired and then I love to just like eat a giant pint of ice cream (laughs) and be like I'm gonna celebrate all the freaking 12 hours straight of non-blinking work that I just achieved (laughs) and it's an achievement you know Mm -hmm. so um I think we I think when I do that for myself that's how I continue I I I keep pushing that cycle, that loop of constant feedback of inner strength. Like, Oh, I worked hard. So I deserve this. (laughs) I'm going to thank myself and I'm going to pat myself on the back. And then I'm going to go and get really drunk with all my friends. You know, I like to celebrate my hard work. And I think as long as you keep doing that, the self-growth and the inner strength just continues to develop and become a stronger little nugget that you maybe don't even need to rely on anymore. Mm. Like the thought of what, what does my, how do I turn to my inner strength to wake up every morning, get through the day? Like, I don't even have those thoughts. I just do it. Cause I like it. Mm. I like want to get out of bed and like tackle the day <laughs> like with humor and you know, and raspy voiceness. Oh yeah. That's like my imitation of myself tackling my day. Yeah. No, your day is really scary. Hey. Your day is like threatened. It's like, no, it, it should be. Cause I'm coming at you, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you just, I think it's cool. Cause I, I like to see people with these reserves of inner strength, these mm. reserves of like, and it's not just enthusiasm. Like, and, and by the way, I like the, the difference between excitement versus enthusiasm. Excitement mm. is an external thing, whereas enthusiasm is coming from within you. And like, mm. that's obvious. Like it's, there's like, you know, like it's pouring out for you, like, and you're, you're ready. You're like, I just punched the day in the face and it went down mm-hmm. like TKO, like Judy Fu, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing with me, like that I like, identify too is like the the idea of doing it for yourself yeah and that's something that i would i would be i would what what i'm trying to say i I would say that maybe risk to say that maybe our parents didn't always have that ability Mm. you know and and that's something that i think that for ourselves like doing things for ourselves can be very important and you know very healthy and very yeah like 
again, that, that self-awareness, that self-realization, because when I think about strength, I think about being strong for other people. Mm. And that's, yeah, I think it's important to be strong for other people. I think it's important to be brave. Like, you know, I talk and you, you know, this Judy, yeah, like yeah. you guys are both like, but I have to say it again. It's just like, the only reason I did this movie was because I thought I was being brave for other people. Not because I was like, I'm going to be brave for myself. Right. I'm going to talk about my depression on camera. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no. If I knew I was going to be part of the doc in the way that I am now, I would never have done it. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, really? I'm like, yes. Are you kidding me? Like to put things like that at risk. <laughs> but, but like, so like, so it's easier for me to just, you know, like, like when I think about doing good things for myself, I kind of almost think, well, I should do this for this person. Nah, like when, you deserve to do good things for yourself. I know. And Judy's like one of the biggest proponents for those kinds of things. Cause like, so selfish. <laughs> no, I promote <laughs> other people's selfishness. But, but in, in a way that you're like, I think you need to be healthy for yourself. I think you yeah. need to be strong for yourself. And like, because you deserve to be strong for yourself. Yeah. You deserve to look good for yourself. You deserve to be like physically healthy for yourself. You deserve to get rest for yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that in terms of inner strength, I'm still trying to learn because Mm. I just I don't know like whatever the psychology is you know like in terms of like not wanting to necessarily do things for yourself either because it feels selfish or because you know we don't think we deserve it or whatever those things are like in parsing those things apart um you know that's what it's one thing that I just wanted to kind of point out yeah because it's it's and I, I I don't know if you ever feel the same way but like you know how to be strong for yourself you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, one thing that I wish I was better at was um, being more decisive. Mm. I think I'm so... We just had a conversation that illustrates this point. <laughs> but I am so indecisive. Like, I'm constantly waffling. And this is something I've, I've always been indecisive. Um, uh, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like 50-50. But, like, and it's always like this, oh, crisis. Mm-hmm. I've got a decision to make and I don't know what to do and here you know the reasons to make this decision here are the reasons to make that decision I don't know what to do you know I just I and um I I wish that I could be more decisive because things just go faster <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean like not just that things just go faster but like you know to be confident in my decisions and you know it might be a really hard decision we're both you know, our good options are both are equally bad options or whatever, but to make a decision and trust that decision and just go with it. Mm. Like I think about my sister, one of my sisters is very, very decisive. The other one is not so much. Um, but my sister who is like, you know, when she was getting married and you know, she made like five appointments for, for, um, gown, whatever, not rehearsals, gown fittings or gown trying on, you know, Mm. trying on different wedding dresses. Yeah. Gown trying ons. (laughs) Trying ons. And, and then she tried on the first one, liked it, bought it, canceled all the other ones. You know, she didn't need to see the other ones to see. She knew that she liked that one and she went for it, you know, like, and, and she is that way with everything in her life. Like, Mm. I like this color. I like that house. I like whatever it's, it's fast, you know? And I'm like, man, I wish is that associated with inner strength, you think? Like a dis- decisiveness? Well, you know what is uh, indecisiveness is associated with anxiety. Oh. And so I wish that I could be more decisive so that I could have less anxiety. Mm. Yeah. That makes and sense. that would make me have me more, have me more. That would have me more <laughs> strength in my body. 
<laughs> I like how you decisively chose that phrase. Yeah. That was I good. actually, wow. I was really impressed by that. Judy, now that we've talked kind of like where you get your reserves of inner strength, I'm curious about if there was a time where you really had to draw on that reserve do you know what i'm saying where there was like a difficult situation or a difficult time like mm-hmm. a phase that just you're like all right reach in deep and get yeah. to it you know yeah <laughs> oh yeah i look back on those those years um and i think of how i can improve upon how i handled myself but for sure i think that um i went i definitely went through uh a time of, um, a time that required a lot of work, um, and a lot of, uh, just being my own motivated, motivating kind of companion. Um, I think sometimes when, I don't, I don't know how to address this actually, but, um, your question is how, or what? Like name a specific time where you had to like draw on your inner strength in order to like keep going to the next day. Cause you know, like right now you're in a place where things are going well for you and you're like embracing that. And I think there's times when right things are rough. Yeah. You have to be strong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm like, you guys are watching me go through my head oh. of, and figuring out how to filter out super personal things <laughs> and then things that I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I'm down to share that. Like, no, <laughs> but then that's compounded with that event that I don't want to share. Anyway, um, I guess in general, there there was definitely this time when a lot was going on in this like one or these one or two months back to back that felt, it just felt like a constant, um, I, 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 it felt like I had to constantly find my reset button and my reset button kept getting smaller and smaller wow. and the indentation on it was harder to f- feel anymore. So I had to like press harder and like, I had to like sharpen my nails to get to it at, at one point, you know, like it just was difficult. And it was totally a bunch of circumstances that happened in a matter of two months when I was kind of broke I was waiting on a few jobs. Um, you know, I'm a freelance cinematographer and sometimes work is overwhelmingly positive and good and, um, I'm, I'm supporting myself and then sometimes it's slow and, you know, there's definitely slow periods. And I think, um, this was just a couple of years ago, uh, when a few jobs kind of fell through and that happens all the time. And I'm usually pretty good at, making sure that, um, I'm so overbooked that if like five films in a matter of one month fell apart, um, I wouldn't like go broke and starve in that month. But somehow this one month that happened. And, um, I think I silently live in quiet, like I silently live in quiet. (laughs) So it's super, super quiet. Um, I live in this silent anxiety with that, with the, Oh, there's going to be a day when my phone and my emails are never going to, it's never going to be from a production 
or director or anybody that wants me to create images or be a part of their world of storytelling and I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be creatively dry and I'm what am I going to do? Like that. Those are the, the fears that I have. They're buried in the back because I never like to pick at it, you know, but there was one time when it all came down to that. On top of that, one morning I woke up and I found that a drunk driver had smashed into my car and I woke up to like my car smashed halfway in insurance wasn't going to cover it. It was a hit and run on a parked car, something about insurance and dealing with insurance, dealing with taxes, dealing with a part of being an American that is incredibly, that is an incredible bureaucratic nuisance is not my, (laughs) not my cup of tea. I'm sure it's nobody's (laughs) cup of tea, but for me, me specifically, I've learned that one of the reasons why it's not what I would ever order off the goddamn menu is it's because of my parents and how they lacked the experience and education of dealing with things like that. They always had to have help. And the help was always in the form of my 13 year old self trying to read legalese and trying to explain in their language, um, what anything meant things that I just, you know, Like I was helping my parents apply for credit cards when they were younger. I was helping them deal with bills. I was helping them set up bank accounts. I was helping them with a lot of stuff with their taxes. Like when they could no longer afford to go to someone to help them do their taxes, they would ask me because I could read English and they would think it it should be as simple as that. I would love for it to be as simple as that, but that shit's not simple. And that shit's really challenging for a refugee who's just come to this country And then it's also a little bit challenging for my 32 year old self (laughs) who's, you know, doing taxes as a freelancer and whatever and so on and so forth. But basically, um, at the time my insurance was being an asshole, I was going to have to pay out of pocket like 10 grand on my car. And then like three weeks later, I experienced an apartment burglary. They stole my identity. So then I spent the next few months just like living off of my savings. And then every day I was like at the police department dealing with an issue, a complication that was a result of my identity being stolen. I mean, Mm. they bought a car in another state under my name that I, I was not making payments on (laughs) because I had not purchased the car myself. They stole a car and then, oh no, they stole a rental car that they used my name and a credit card that they opened up under my name to reserve. And then they like left it on the side of the freeway. And, you know, there were so many incidents that were happening like regularly. It was an everyday occurrence for about two months straight. And, um, and then (laughs) towards the end of that, when things were starting to die down, when I was, I mean, I think at first I went into it with a lot of self-empowerment, with a lot of, um, trust in myself that I was going to handle this. I was going to work with my detectives every day. I was going to work with my team and we were going to find these assholes. And instead we found fingerprints in my home and it matched up with one person who was in the system and it pulled up a, uh, photograph a mugshot of this guy who looked so drugged out and it turned out that he'd already been arrested. Like when we just, when the fingerprints came back about two months after my burglary, um, the, the only set of fingerprints that came back to match anybody's was it matched someone who was clearly, um, a drug addict, um, who had been in and out of jail, who did not come from a 
good situation and who um, had just a week prior to that information coming to me been sent back to jail for a different burglary. So it was this moment that didn't feel all the way conclusive. It didn't feel redeeming. It was just information that made me feel horrible. And it was information that, I mean, I was sitting in my own home imagining this guy kicking it, getting high in my home and Mm -hmm. stealing my shit and spending all my money. And then, um, so those were, (laughs) that was a period of time that I felt really tested and I was just really frustrated and I didn't know what to do. The detectives weren't getting anywhere. I really, I had grown up on so much law and order. I totally believed (laughs) that they were going to find these guys and they were just like, you idiot that they, I, Identity death, identity theft is the number one growing crime today. There's just no way to find who these people are. And right now we just found out who one of them is and he's in jail. And currently my credit, like the whole, my identity, they were still opening up new accounts with different credit cards. What? They were still, um, they were changing my address through the U S postal service. So my mail wasn't coming to me. It was coming <gasps> to some other home. And I was like, constantly chasing I was doing my own level of detective work I was Mm. playing Veronica Mars I was (laughs) chasing them alongside my detectives and then I think in order to fortify my own creative life I was writing about it (laughs) trying to create like a fun (laughs) mystery out of it um and it wasn't a fun mystery I never solved anything but I think that it was turning to like, oh, maybe I can get a cool story out of this and looking at it as if it wasn't my actual life allowed me to, um, persist with it and find some angle to viewing my problems as, um, oh, let's just as a problem that I could discover the solution to, even though I think there, it came to this point where I knew that I was not going to there, nothing positive is going to come out of this. I think I always look at situations as if like, oh, there's something positive I can come out of. I learned something and I learned to, you know, what did I learn to protect myself? I, you know, it wasn't a situation in which I could have done something a little bit better. I just learned to, um, deal with it, to manage the, the, the shittiness right. of it through art, mm-hmm. through, through trusting in my relationship with, work Mm -hmm. (laughs) again Mm -hmm. and um anyway that was like the longest story I've ever told it's a long story and I don't know that there's anything to there's no lesson out of that I think but well I mean I think the fact that you I mean you I can't imagine like you know two months worth of having to do that every single day and the fact that you really did try to get something out of it you know I mean I don't think a lot of people would do that um at the very least you know it's like I've got a story you know but also sometimes there really is no lesson and and the only thing that you can do and or only thing you can say about it is like well I got through that and I'm I'm still in one piece you know I love that (laughs) no you're right I I think because I come from a storytelling background where I have this desire to create stories and to try to see experiences in this story way. Um, I do try to, um, find lessons and anecdotes and experiences. And Mm -hmm. it's so great to be able to say, 
eh, there's probably no lesson in this, but I'm alive. I'm here. I'm breathing. And I breathed through it and I handled, I think the proudest thing I can say is that I handled myself, um, with like a, with a type of dignity I didn't know that I had before. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that I could handle something like that. Mm -hmm. I did. I discovered that that shit exists. I didn't even know. (laughs) And I discovered that in the face of it, okay, I can deal with it. Right. And that's so, that's cool. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I think a couple of years later, I'm able to be like, that happened. I think, I mean, even as far back as a year ago, I was still thinking about that scenario with like pain, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. What a nightmare. So now that Judy's kind of shared a little bit about a time where she needed some inner strength, do you have any uh, stories or tips? Like, <laughs> like you Should know. Should we go in a circle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you have to talk about the person under <laughs> you, right? April, one day you're going to embrace this. I am one not. Day I am never. You're going to love it. Because never even though it doesn't come, this. like it feels forced, the actual like discussion of it can actually be very, you know, Fruitful. like, yeah. So why like, not the, ask if, it in a different way? How, how, would, how should I ask it? Just say, hey, April, what's one time that whatever? That, that's not how I said it. No, I mean, I'm saying when you do the roundabout <laughs> things, you're like, okay, guys, I know this is going to sound kind of dumb, but in a circle, let's blah, blah, blah to I, the person that you're right. Dumb? But you get two things and you have to talk about, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how is this not your favorite thing in the world? Because after this, we're going to hold hands and sing Kubaya. But do you, I mean, like, do you have any tips like for in terms of like the way that you access your inner strength or that, you know, um, that you had a specific time where you're like, I, I was really strong in this moment. I was really proud of myself. And then maybe we can learn some lessons along the way. The more <laughs> you know. Um, when have I felt really like I dug deep? I don't know. Can you think of any time in my life when I've... <laughs> sure. Uh, none that I'm not sure you want to talk about on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes just talking to myself helps. Like, just telling myself to do something. Like, if I don't feel like I have it in me to do it. Um, sometimes, like... Like, I'll feel sick and I'll want to go home at work. Mm. But I don't really know if I really need to, but I just kind of feel sick and I want to go home, you know? So sometimes I have to talk to myself in my head and be like, April, you're a big girl. Just stay at work. Hmm. You only got like five hours left. Hmm. Just stay at work. <laughs> you're a fucking grown up. <laughs> especially when it was like hard to go to work, when, especially when it was like dreadful, right? Right. Well, no, in those times, I actually would go home because I had a lot more sick time. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, if you wake up and you cough, don't go to work, you know, like I had a lot more flexibility then. But, you know, I'm like, I'm at a new job now. I want to be responsible and I want to show that, like, you know, I'm going to show up. Mm. It's like a super boring example. 
Okay, that's okay. I think I think some okay, here's my new realization about a lot of things. Like there's there's times where I want to be a hero to other people, right? For instance. But I think like being a uh, hero in the everyday stuff, making the sacrifice Carey hero or uh, Enrique Iglesias hero. Oh jeez. Both? Or a Bonnie you Tyler can't hero. Do both. Wait, I want to be in the wind beneath your wings. That's not Bonnie <laughs> Tyler, dude. I know, I know, but I, I like I like Bette Midler better. Oh, I Does see. that count? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, of course that counts. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, like you you want to make self sacrifices. Like, there's this um, there's this uh. You want to make self sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 there's this like kind of joke where like people like within the church community want to have the gift of martyrdom versus the gift of hospitality because being nice to somebody in the everyday is much harder than being like well i will die for this person and you think you're going to be that person but if you're not making the everyday sacrifices so like if i'm not you know like spending time with my nieces like on a more regular basis when it's harder to do it then like how how will i know how to love them like later if i don't like learn now to make small sacrifices for them does that make sense so like <clears throat> what i'm trying to say is that even in going to work and you know being a responsible person and showing up you know being a grown-up and being responsible like sometimes that does take that reserve because you know like it's it's easier to drink coke every day than to like decide to drink water or you know what i'm saying it's like it's like making those like little choices mm-hmm. that's not a good example because you just drank coke but i know i was like uh whoops <laughs> but um so I, I still i think i think even though we dismiss like everyday things like that's why i tell talk about inner strength as being the ability to like wake up and get out of bed to do something you know, and then you know if you don't have that strength that day, then you you can't also like beat yourself up about it. And I think for me, like in terms of inner strength stuff, like and, and even just touching back a little bit on something that I think is separate from my parents, but is is the idea of acknowledging feelings, but also talking yourself through that. Like, why do you really feel this way? Why are you really angry at the situation? What is getting you down about this? And and, and going to those hard places with yourself. I think that takes inner strength because I'm scared of those parts of myself that are unpleasant you know that i i'd work to not be you know i work not to be a coward i work not to be selfish i work but a lot of times when i'm pissed about something at work is because i have my pride was hurt Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying and i have a lot of pride about work and i want to always seem like competent and good at what i do but i can't be that every day and i can't have my primary primary identity be this like amazing like you know like i'm amazing at work all the time do you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and so acknowledging the feelings that i'm having one that i'm pissed <laughs> Two, that's great that, vanessa i know i'm express angry right your anger yeah you know well and it's easier for me to express anger than it is to like express sadness you know or or things like that and so you know but then also just digging down deep to explore those things mm-hmm. that's the harder part you know for me and admitting things about myself that i'm not especially proud of mm-hmm. so like i think yeah, that's something that I've had to develop a lot. And even, you know, like just even in therapy, it's hard, even though therapy is like such a space, safe space, you know, like to say out loud that you're like not the person that you want to be. It's like, oh, well, now everybody knows it. 
<laughs> you know, there's a sign over my head. But see, I think that's okay. Because as long as you can, as long as you acknowledge that and then you want to address it and you want to define who you would rather be, that I think is so good. Like the fact that you are at the, at a space where you can do that. Um, and then you just have this like set of discoveries you need to make about who you would rather be or who you want to work your work towards becoming. That's really cool. I, um, applaud that man. Way to go. Good, good, good job. You, you, you're, you're patting his haunches in order to clap yeah. for me. I'm that's... patting the booty of a chihuahua that's sitting next to me right now. That's totally in order to out. applaud. I feel your applauded now. Self-work, man. Now can we go around in a circle? Just yes, kidding. Can go around in a circle. I don't even know what we would say. Well, think of it fast, Vanessa. This is a window that's going to close very soon. Well, what? do you, I, th- I think we're ready to close up. So then. I think to bring it full circle. You should hold Judy over the trash can. You're right. <laughs> I refuse I, to be bullied, guys. I can't. I have to ask permission now. And if she says no, then I have to. Can I slap you in the face? Yes. Oh, my God. Hold Judy over the trash. I'll slap you in the face. And then what is good Judy going to do? I don't know. Did you have Why? any? <laughs> Take a photograph of the whole situation. This is awful. I hate it. Let's, let's. And end scene. Thanks, Judy. Thanks for I having me. I hope that you me. had a good time. I had a great time. And She's lying. I really admire you guys for doing this. I think it's really important, really cool, like so cool. <laughs> you guys are really awesome human beings. Oh, thank you. I hate compliments are the worst. Did it. I know. We're done. We don't even have to record another one. So, <laughs> all right. Thank we'll you so much, Judy. Hey, actually, you were awesome. You were very, you were very clear and articulate and <laughs> what I get to, I get to give them out, but I'm not going to take them. Jeez. You know, uh, you're just so thankful to have your enthusiasm kind of bleeding us. <laughs> Blee. I hope that we see each other before four years passes. My God, me too, April. <laughs> I hope that you make the decision that you want to make. I hope that. You guys make yourself available to make the decision for me. I'll give you all <laughs> the information. You guys make the decision for me. I'm. Boring. I mean, I'm gonna take this off. It's like, or oh yeah, I'm gonna wrap it okay, up. Yeah, or, thanks. Because I want to keep adding to that. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> we did it. There's gonna be some interesting editing on this uh, one. Sorry. Bye. Bye. I should make this one like 15 minutes <laughs> we'll just hours. string together all of your parts no 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 no, no. <laughs>